You'll do as you're told. Because if you don't, I'll be in charge of the beating next time. The longer I stay in here, the less chance I have of going back across the Nullarbor. And that suits me fine. You don't ever tell a screw anything about anything. I sentence you to six months' detention in Wentworth. Hi, and welcome to Cellbook Age Podcast. I'm your host, Lars. We got a new listener from Qatar since I last recorded. Welcome. I know I haven't released an episode for over five months of recording this and... Yeah, shit happens. What can I say? It's been a lot. But hopefully though I will have a B-Sides episode out a couple of weeks after this goes out. Anyways, let's get on with the show. Episode 4 of Prisoner Cell Rock Age was first aired March 6th in 1979. It was written by Ian Bradley, produced by Ian Bradley, and directed by Graham Arthur. Synopsis. Rosie has had a baby. Time to celebrate. But Bill kinda kills the mood by being declared dead. Eddie isn't scared by a bunch of women until he faces them. Marty and Donna are still boring. B gives Chrissy the latest hairdo in fashion, and Meg keeps crying. First viewing this time around, 2019, the 25th of January. I'm not going to lie, this is not that great of an episode. It has its moments, but man is it ever tough to be dealing with the state of Meg. And I don't really care that much for Martin McFly or his girlfriend for that matter. The doc is too busy with helping Rosie, so he sends the nurse to Bill's aid. And when the ambulance picks him up and a seemingly unbloody Meg, they have a nice chit-chat in the ride to the hospital. As we cut to Doreen and B, B is furious at all the shit that went down. Not only did Doreen side with Frankie, some stupid girl went and stabbed Bill, and now the police is going to give B a hard time. But not as of a hard time as B is going to give the one responsible for this shit. A side note, I just love that little sigh slash moan from Marilyn though at 3.35 in the episode. Mom phones in to ask about Bill but finds out that he's on a call at a lunch at the meeting on a vacation out of the country. I want everybody confined to their rooms until the police have had a chance to question them. Do you think we should involve the police? A man has been stabbed. Well, I'm only thinking of the publicity. Yes, well, if I'd thought a little less about the publicity earlier on, maybe none of this would have happened. Maybe we should call you, Captain Hindsight. Well, what can you do? At least he didn't die. Mrs. Davidson, it was the hospital. Bill Jackson's dead. Talk about a mood killer. After a gate slam, we go to Sobbing Meg. I really have a hard time with this, Meg. I really can't get into the character, and I don't know if it's the actor or the way she's directed, but there's something off. I think it might be the pitch and or tone of her voice that throws me off, because the physicality of her acting feels right. If I'd left Rosie, both she and the baby might have died. So what? Do you think that little crim is more important than my husband? Anyway, let's move on from this scene because I can't be bothered with it. And let's go back to the prison. We get a great grimace from Frankie when she finds out that Bill Jackson is dead. 
she knows that she's in some deep shit right now. Back in the dead man's room, we're greeted by a new character, Detective Sergeant Jack Allen, who's played by Tim Robertson. He and the governor have a little chat before they start conducting the interviews. First off is Lynn, but she won't answer any questions because it won't change anything with her appeal. At 16.40 we get our first introduction to the actress Jan Friedel, who plays an officer in this episode. We later see Jan play Brenda Latham, Chris's sister, but that's nearly 300 episodes away. Meg is back and she just needed to take a half day off after being a hostage in a riot where her husband also was stabbed to death. But something like that won't stop our Megster. Oh no. Meg, what are you doing here? I'm on duty. You look terrible. You should be at home resting. Too much to do. We're short-staffed enough as it is. Somebody's got to look after the animals. Carol Burns, who plays Frankie, is so great in this scene. It's all the little facial expressions and the range of emotions she shows just during her interrogation. At least Meg is angry now. That side of her can take. She's questioned if she knows anyone who could have done it, but as far as she is concerned, they're all guilty. After a few scenes, we are back with Detective Sergeant Jack Allen, who's now playing both the bad cop and the other bad cop with Eddie, because he seems like a good kid, and if this interaction with a copper will stop him from socializing with the likes of Marilyn, it will be worth it. You were there when Bill Jackson was stabbed? Yeah. Well, everything had gone quiet and I thought the riot was over, so I went and had a look. Then what happened? Well, suddenly all hell broke loose. Women charging everywhere. It was bloody scary, I'll tell you. Did you see who stabbed him? That smirk from Eddie's just so great. Here we go again. This time it's the location of the reception in regards to the grounds. Usually, or at least how I have perceived it, it's only a short corridor from the reception to the grounds. Just based on how the scenes are set up when we go from the inside of the prison to the outside and vice versa. Now, however, when Eddie walks out of the reception, it seems like he has to go through some parts of the prison to even go outside, since he's stopped by the women. You've been talking to that cop? Yeah. What did you tell him? Nothing. Good. Now you can tell us. Who killed Bill Jackson? Ah, come on, B. I'm not going to be pushed around by a load of women. First of all, Eddie, you're quite outnumbered. Secondly, it's not like these women are pushovers. They are hardened criminals, you silly goose. Back at the laundry, we get a nice scene with B threatening Chrissy. It's a bit intense and you can see how Chrissy tries to slither away from it all, but probably knows it's all in, in vain. Fuck me. Please let it be over with Marty and his girlfriend Donna, Joanne Barker. It's so fucking boring. They can't act for shit. In a scene in the rec room at 31.04, is that librarian Laura Gardiner slash Brandy Carter we see sitting next to B, the one who has multiple personality disorder? No, apparently I was wrong. Roslyn Gentle, who plays Laura Gardiner and Brandy Carter for 10 episodes between episode 373 and 382, 
And just for some reference, she's the librarian who suffers from dissociative identity disorder. Why I brought her up is because I actually thought that she might have been in this episode as an extra. And I asked someone from the Facebook page, Prisoner Cellblock Age, the Ultimate Prisoner fan group, if that was her or not. And apparently someone was friends with her on Facebook, so she answered directly herself. And just to be super duper clear, it wasn't her. So thank you to James, who asked Ross on my behalf, and also thanks to Ross as well. Chris is trying to suck up to Frankie to get some protection from B and her gang. But Frankie figures out that she's the one who killed Bill and gets mad as hell for being the one suffering for Chris's crime. What do you do? Knock your back? Well, what if he did? What's it to you? What's it to me? I'm stuck in here while B's taken over because of you. Bullshit! B beat you fair and square and you know it. Yeah, well, now she's going to fix you fair and square. But I hope she doesn't kill you because I'd like to wring your bloody neck. You little bitch, just wait till I get out of here! It's a lot of emotion and great acting. You can really feel the hate between those two characters. The chase music doesn't really fit. It's too upbeat and it's too short of a scene, 11 seconds, to have that kind of weird build-up and then just abruptly end. It would have fit more if it were a longer chase scene and more of a cat and mouse kind of chase where the cat is just playing with its prey before it kills it. Though I have to admit it's a nice effect with the symbol crash or whatever you might call it to really get an offset of the mood. And it's quite funny and a little disturbing perhaps that the women outside gets disappointed that they can't see the action that's going to happen. Five branded women. I actually took a deep fucking dive and actually watched this movie not expecting a whole lot but I was genuinely surprised with the movie. As I've said in the start of this episode, I will release a B-Sides episode reviewing this movie in a couple of weeks. It's all recorded, I just have to edit the audio. Go on, love. Tell him what happened. It was me. I killed your husband. It's so condescending, and yet somehow in a motherly tone trying to push the kid to own up to some stupid prank they did. This would have been a great ending for the episode. Sure, it's not a cliffhanger per se, but it's a really effective way of ending an episode on a high note. Shoddy police work. You shouldn't have the widow present when you question the suspect for the murder of the widow's husband. Well, fuck me, Meg. First you lash out on the prisoner's calling them animals, and then gets angry for being told that, at least you know, to finally yell at your son for not wanting to know who it is. Holy shit, make up your mind. A small side note, Meg is really colourful at the funeral. I wonder if that was or still is custom in Australia. Here in Sweden, people usually dress all in black or darker colours, if not requested by the family. I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just not used to that, that's all. Fuck me, she's an awful landlady, yelling at her tenants and then steals from them. Money first, and then you get to be a cold hard bitch that doesn't give two shits about anyone but yourself. Holy hell, are you all deaf? With that volume on the TV, you must be. Stop running, Warner! 
She's just been to the governor's office about her appeal. Obviously not good news. Vera is just taking pleasure in the prisoner's misfortune, and that subtle look of disgust from Meg is great. But Vera just shrugs it off and carries on with her work. These are the little subtleties that you pick up on when you analyse every little scene, and I love it. Even though I wished it would have ended with Chrissy owning up to killing Bill, this is a really great ending. It's depressing as shit, but by god it's it good. All I wish for is that they did these kind of endings more throughout the series, and not just the few ones that we got. That's all I've got for you this time. Now we're going to move on to spoiler territory. So if you don't want to expose yourself to spoilers, you should stop listening. So spoilers are one. Spoilers. I'm mostly going to talk about the main characters of the show and give you guys a bit of background and maybe some nuggets that you might find interesting. Kelly Armstrong played Lynn for 44 episodes between episode 1 and episode 44. Elizabeth Ballantyne is the one who appeared in most episodes of the show. A total of 669 episodes between episode 1 until the last episode of the show, 692. Though her longest stretch without a break is only 88 episodes, and you have to go until episode 29 to find another actor to last throughout the show, namely Joy Westmore, who played Joyce Berry. You can find more info at Top 25 Corecast and The Corecast at Who's Who in Wentworth. And as always, I leave the links in the show notes. Carol Burns played Frankie for 20 episodes, from episode 1 until episode 20. Patsy King played Erica Davison, the governor of Wentworth. She also plays the head of the department for a couple of episodes. And she was in the show for 351 episodes between episode 1 and episode 454. According to Liam, B. Grundy's attitude towards the actors was appalling. There were no parties, no thank you letters after they won Logies. Just work as normal. She also says that Patsy King was fired and the first thing she knew about leaving the show was when they were holding auditions for the part of Anne Reynolds. Margaret Lawrence, who plays Marilyn, is only in the show for the first 16 episodes. Val Liam plays Queen Bee for 375 episodes between episode 1 and episode 400. Val claims that the first riot scene in the show had the crew trembling in terror. A stunt coordinator was brought in to help with the fight scenes, but she and Carol Burns had to ignore him, as he had no idea how women fought. Fight scenes would be rehearsed, but accident still happens. Val once fractured Amanda Muggleton's nose during a take. Chrissy. Denise Morgan, quoted in Hilary Kingsley's book. As the series progressed, we introduced many subjects which were controversial. But I always was very cautious with drugs, because I knew a lot of school kids were watching in Australia when it was seen at 8.30. Kids were mimicking the characters in school. I made B. Smith very anti-drugs. 
Colette Mann plays Doreen for 286 episodes between episode 1 and episode 446. She also plays Cheryl Stark in Neighbours between 95 and 96. She later plays Sheila Canning for over 700 episodes between 2012 until now 2019 and still might play her because the last episode she was in aired 1st of May this year of course. Colette Mann was originally cast as Lynn Warner, as I talked about in the first episode, but asked to play the smaller part of Doreen Anderson instead because she wanted to play scenes with Sheila Florence, a highly respected theatre actress. Both Doreen and Lizzie were originally intended as almost Shakespearean or Greek chorus comic relief characters seen squabbling in the background. As production started, the writers saw how well Colette and Sheila worked together, and as the series was retooled beyond the first 16 episodes, began to expand the characters. Most of the work in the earlier episodes was along Carol Burns, Frankie. But when the series went to two hours a week and Carol left the show, the writers noted the chemistry with Valium. Thus, B. Lizzie Doreen Triple Act was born. Betty Bobbitt, Judy, Jane Clifton, Margot and Colette Mann formed a singing trio called the Mini Bussets and toured clubs for a few years while doing Prisoner. Having got the idea of singing together while in a minibus filming the factory work release storyline. Betty and Colette had previously sung professionally along with Anne Phelan, Myra in a group called the Glitter Sisters. Richard Moyer played Eddie, the electrician, for the first 16 episodes of the show. Barry Quinn played one of the doctors that would appear throughout the show, namely Dr. Greg Miller, for 88 episodes, from episode 1 until episode 110. He also had a small role in Superman Returns from 2016 as News Anchor number 5. Peter Tapano, who plays Karen in the show, she's in the first 80 episodes of the show. Fiona Spence, who played Vera Vinegatitz Bennett, is just behind Judy McGrath, Colleen, of playing most episodes in a row without a break. For a number of 174 episodes. But she played Vera for a total of 222 episodes between episode 1 and 224. Fiona discussing Vera Bennett's nickname. They loved going past my house and saying very gingerly Vinegatitz before racing off at a million miles an hour. I never minded it. I think it's just a bit of fun. And I actually had to look up what gingerly meant. And gingerly can mean gently, carefully, cautiously. Mary Ward, who plays the character Mum in the show, was about to turn 65 at the time of filming. She's now 105 years old. If not, IMDB is giving me some wrong information. It says she was born in 1914, March 6th. She went to England to train as an actress before World War II and worked on stage before returning to Australia to be an announcer on ABC during the war. Finally returning to England to resume her theatre roles and act in some parts for the BBC in 1948. She did eventually return to Australia. Joanne Barker, who plays Marty's girlfriend Donna, for this one episode actually has another role as Renee in episode 94, but is uncredited. Jan Friedel plays an officer in this episode, but is probably more recognized as Chrysalatham's sister number two, 
Brenda Latham, the less annoying one. And she plays that role between episode 295 until 296 for a total of six episodes. The first depiction of Brenda is played by Joanne Miller in episode 197. But she also plays Nolene's sister in episode 127. Val Jelly has a couple of roles in this show. We first see her as the cold-hearted, greedy bitch Mrs. Gibson here in episode 4. She later plays another cold-hearted, greedy bitch Mrs. Bessie in episode 45. And yet again she takes advantage of an older woman. Next up she plays a saleswoman for two episodes. 252 and 255. Her last role is maybe the most sympathetic sympathetic role as Mabel Morgan who gives Lexi refuge in her brothel. She appears as Mabel in eight episodes between episode 589 and 612. I must say that I don't really remember her being in this show, but I do remember her as Nancy Buckle in The Flying Doctors. Yeah, that show also reached us, reached us here in Sweden. Tim Robertson played his first role in the show here as Detective Sergeant Allen. He later plays a prosecutor in episode 98, a CES officer in episode 180, and then he plays Ron Crosby, the man who claims being robbed and assaulted by the cab-driving Judy, for four episodes between 261 and 270. In episode 328, he's Les Brooke, a prisoner at Woodridge, who leads the beating of Andy. His final role is as David Malone for two episodes, 563 and 564, as father of Terry Malone, Joan's girlfriend. He apparently also plays Dad in the movie Holy Smokes, which I have never heard of, but has a bunch of famous people in it, like Harvey Keitel, Kate Winslet, Pam Greer, amongst others. Bill Stevenson's only appeared in the show for this episode as Marty's schoolmaster. Last but not least, we have Sheila Florence who plays Lizzie for four and four episodes between episode one and four and eighteen. She plays May Swayze in Mad Max, the original one, and apparently suffered knee injury during filming of Mad Max, but refused to sit it out. She took off her own cast and performed her role injured throughout. That was all the time I got for you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And if you want to contact me regarding anything about the show, please do so by tweeting at me at cellpodcast, emailing me at cellblockagepodcast at gmail.com or contact me on Facebook at cellblockagepodcast. You can always find video updates on YouTube. Just search for cellblockagepodcast. Thanks again for listening. Let's cue the outro and get the fuck out of here. Hey!